Hello and good evening, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Tones Market Analysis for Wednesday, April 5th. Uh, I got a lot of stuff to go through. I started updating my blog. That didn't really last very long. Uh, I'm still like over a month of posts behind of all the content that I've done. Uh, my calendar is not up to date. Um, just so that I don't confuse people, uh, the calendar on the right are either events I will be at or events that potentially interest me. Um, realistically, I should be removing events I'm not speaking at, but then I'm not going to know they're going on. So don't take this list of events too seriously. Um, these are the list of events that um, I find interesting. And um, when I am speaking at any of the events, I will, of course, uh, let everybody know on my podcasts. Um, also, about uh, two hours ago, um, I did another episode of On the Record with Tone Vase. Um, it was an interview with um, FutureNet, so please check that out. Um, I had a great time doing that interview. Uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that you guys see the irony in those interviews. I know I could have asked uh, better questions, uh, even with that format. Uh, I, it's not the Crypto Scam podcast. Uh, perhaps I will talk about FutureNet um, on Crypto Scam, but in this format, um, I, I just like when I learn from the people uh, doing these projects. And uh, the the one question uh, I disappointed everyone that I totally forgot to ask is in the first half of the episode. I forgot uh, for the CEO to explain how they are not a Ponzi. And I really wish I asked that question. So in uh, in future similar episodes, I will try to make sure. Uh, I did remember to ask him how uh, Futuro coin is not like one coin, but I really wanted, I, I'm, I, I would really love to hear his answer um, as to how um, their profit revenue system is not uh, a Ponzi. Uh, so perhaps we will have another interview, maybe when uh, Futuro coin launches. Uh, we'll we'll have another interview and uh, uh, yeah, this podcast is independent of the Crypto Scam podcast, which I promise I will get back to. Um, all right, so let, let's just jump right onto the markets. Um, people are already asking me about uh, Litecoin, and I will uh, get to Litecoin later on. Uh, let's talk about the markets. And today was really really weird, and um, and here's why it was weird. Um, well, let, let's talk about end of day stuff, right? So I drew this trend line last video, and today we were breaking above this trend line, and then the market collapsed. Um, and I said that if we break this trend line, you have resistance here, resistance here. I am expecting all of this resistance to be broken, and we go to the upside. Um, but, but here's the strange thing. I opened this chart up about 10 minutes ago preparing for this podcast. But because I did the... On the record podcast earlier, I was watching the market. It, my trading season for earnings has pretty much started. I The market was up like crazy all day. And right before 2 p.m., I turned off the stock market to prepare uh, to do at least, you know, two hours of, uh, of due diligence on uh, FutureNet so that I know what we're talking about there in that interview. 
And I turned off the market thinking we're finally going to have a one percentage day up or down. And we haven't had that in like forever. And then 10 minutes ago, I opened it up and I'm like, and I thought trading view was uh, broken because two hours earlier, it was like right there at the high of day breaking my trend line. Um, I, I do an interview and then this happens. So I have absolutely no clue what caused the fall. The calls, the fall seems to be fairly ordinary. Um, ah, FOMC minutes. There you go. That's what happened at 2 p.m. Again, this is why I deserve to get fired from my job of a trader because I didn't even know FOMC minutes were being released today. I literally found out with you right now. Um, so perhaps there was some things that people didn't like, uh, but it doesn't matter because I think the market um, will go back up uh, fairly soon. So, uh, but it was just interesting, but it did fall kind of orderly and um, it actually helped my positions. Uh, my positions were somewhat aligned to the short side, not, you know, not on purpose. I do, I'm do direction neutral trading, but I do have preferences of up and down. Um, all right, so we can close this. Um, so looking at the daily chart of the S&P 500, um, we're about to have this wedge between the 50-day moving average and this trend line. And this thing is going to break one way or the other. And when it breaks, you're looking at a pretty substantial move. Either we fall all the way back down to below 2,300 and maybe the 200-day moving average, or we bust through um, these highs. Um, so let's see how it goes. Uh, we definitely have a few days. The counts are useless. Um, so we'll uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, glancing at the weekly, uh, well, those arrows seem to be working out um, very, very well. I haven't, I don't mess with these arrows, by the way. Anybody can fact check me. I'm too busy to even mess with arrows. Um, so um, I had this arrow go into this um, support line, and then we uh, go up. Um, Oh, by the way, going back to my uh, the On The Record podcast, this was a lot of fun. Like, like those that are like attacking me on Twitter right now, um, why I'm giving these people the stage and why am I not like screaming scam? Um, that's not fun for me anymore. I, I don't want to argue with these guys. I, I had so much fun asking those questions. And, um, and honestly, like I, I will... The reason I was screen sharing is to show you guys some uh, some of the features of their project. But the other reason why I was screen sharing is because you would have seen the biggest grin on my face, um, and I tried everything I can not to like mute myself so that you know the focus doesn't change to me. Um, so you you have to see the irony in this, and, and those that are my uh, those that know me that have been watching my videos for a while, um, you have to see the irony here. Um, and because I'm not having fun in Bitcoin anymore, I'm really not. This whole scaling debate has got me like stressed out, and um, that that was the most fun I've had in a while. Uh, so I would love to do more interviews just like that. I will get better at it. I'm still a little new to that format. Go back on a tangent. All right. So I'm oh, sorry. The the weekly chart is looking exactly like I expected. Um, let's see if we get back below, if we make a new low, 
if we fall back below this line and we make a new low, uh, we can see some substantial um, pullbacks in the S&P 500. If the S&P 500 does pull back to the 50-week moving average, that would be a beautiful bounce. It will be, you know, you kind of want that. You don't want these things to get out of control uh, because, you know, you have the dash situation, um, which maybe I'll get to later on in this podcast too. But anyway, so this is, a, it's not an ideal pullback. You want to see, you want to see the pullback to the 50-day. And then, you know, all these gloom and doomers are going to start screaming, you know, the S&P is going to fall 50% and they're going to get everybody scared. And then when the market goes to new highs, uh, they're, they're going to look like idiots again. But, um, but, but yeah, uh, it's nice to see this pullback right here, like what happened right before the election, pulled back to the 50-week uh, right here, pulled back to the 50-week. Uh, these are healthy. So we got... Um, I mean, it's a little risky to buy the stock market here, but if you buy it here, I would double down there. That's how I would trade it. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried. I'm start closing these, free up some memory. All right, gold. Um, well, this was my short trade in gold and, um, it was looking good for a few days and uh, I'm going to take this off. Like um, if, if this was an actual trade, I would have got out of this trade. I, I would have like once it fell, I would have set like a break even stop loss. Uh, but right now you're at pretty much break even. I delete this right here because this trade no longer makes sense. Uh, once you did not get the, the move the, the in gold to the downside, it was pretty much over. And now um, this is the double top I talked about that is probably going to be broken. Also, this is a clean cup and handle. You have this cup and you have this can uh, handle. So um, to be honest, uh, I, I'm going to take a look at the weekly chart, but um, th there is a bullish trade to be made here. Um, I mean, it's, it's limited, but um, here's how I would play it, right? Let me zoom in on this. So, you know, all the gold bulls can stop hating me for a minute, right? Um, so I'm going to delete this arrow. The, you know, shit's not happening. So how would I play this? Well, you are sitting at double resistance. And because you're sitting at double resistance, um, I don't believe in double tops being um, a reversal. I certainly don't believe in triple tops. Um, I'm going to draw the cup and handle. This is how I would play it. Um, not trading advice. It's like the I'm not your lawyer show. Shout out to uh, Jason Seibert over there. Um, okay, wait, what am I drawing here? Arc. So I'm going to go like this. Um, like this and like that, all right? That is your cup. Uh, this is intro to a uh, technical analysis, by the way, guys. This is what I charge my consulting fee for. If you want to learn technical analysis, um, these are the kinds of things um, I charge an hourly fee for. Oh, that was, that's a little crooked, but you get the idea. Um, I don't want to spend too much time drawing stuff. 
So you have this cup and handle. Okay. So the rules on a cup and handle are the fat part of the cup. At least those are my rules. I don't know. Sometimes I forget what the real rules are and I come up with my own rules. Um, oh, I drew that in reverse. My bad. Let's do it this way. I'll probably adjust the colors later because purple makes like no sense at all. Um, I, I would do these ahead of time, but again, I'm just um, only only so much time in a day, so I'm doing these live. Um, oh, why can't I move this damn thing? There it is. Oh, that's enough. anyway, get the idea, right? So you, you're looking at like a 65% dip in the cup, right? The, the handle doesn't really matter. Um, so that means once it breaks out, but, but it has to break out. Like I wouldn't take this trade at, at um, 12. Oh, it's breaking out now. So you, like right here at about 1260. And you're looking for, oh man. Um, look, I, I think gold is useless, but hey, if the if the picture is bullish, I'm gonna be bullish. Like I'm a technical trader. I don't um I don't discriminate. So you're looking at um, 63 bucks, right? I'm, I know I'm like pinching pennies here, okay? So what's the target? Uh, 5%, the target is about 1320, okay? So what I would do is I would consider a nice risk-reward position starting from around 1260, and it's probably going to hit 1260. Why is that purple? Man, style. No, I don't want purple. So stop color should be red, um, green, maybe a little dark there and there. Okay, there you go. So what are our coordinates? Well, your entry point is going to be 1260. Your profit... I mean, even if 1320 is pushing it, like at least 1300, let's see what that looks like. So now where's your stop loss? Now, ideally your stop loss, let me see what this looks like. Ideally your stop loss should be below the handle, but I would tighten this up. Like I wouldn't really risk it that much. Like I would put it like 49 or something, right? But just, you gotta be careful with the intraday wicks. And um, yeah, I, I, you can go higher on the reward, right? It's not worth it at that price. So it's. Uh... Oh, I thought I put profit taking thirteen hundred. Why is it at? Oh yeah, that is thirteen hundred. No kidding. Uh, thirteen twenty. Right there you go. So 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 there it is. Okay, so there I'm a, like bullish gold for the first time in a while, and um, only because. You know, it, it gave me a bullish pattern to trade. It gave me like a good risk-reward ratio. Um, now, here's the problem, minor problem. Uh, you did break this downtrend. Um, 
Let's see how that trade develops. Let's see if it even enters actually, right? Because we need above 1260 to enter it. But that's how I would see it. Um, uh, so another way to play it is to give a tighter stop loss below the, you know, below 1240, like 1239. I set it to 1249 instead of 1239. And uh, obviously, um, you know, you take your profits anytime you feel they're worthy. So on a weekly chart, um, where is this trend line? See, this is the problem. This trend line is at 1280. And I think this trend line is going to be a pain in the ass. So even though the daily trade is showing you 1320, um, I would be very, very nervous at around 1280. And um, if you're leveraged enough, uh, Making profits from 1260 to 1280 is not bad. Um, so I will make a note on this, uh, and then I'll move on from gold. Um, I would make a note right at 1280, right around here. Oh, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that soon, too. Um, I would say gold at weekly trend line resistance. Okay. And I'll, you know, make this thing. Well, the print can be black, but I really want to make this red. I really want to make this thing stand out. There you go. Okay. So that's how I would see gold right now. It definitely looks like it's ready for a breakout to the upside, but your daily target is conflicting with your weekly resistance. So at that level, um, I would be a little worried. Okay, so I'll save this and we'll see what it looks like next week. Um, also, if you are going to ask me questions, please start with the capital work question. Um, so the weekly, there's nothing else to say. The, by the way, the weekly is sitting at major resistance right now, which is another reason why I would wait on this trade. I wanted to break out above this weekly 50-week moving average. Like your weekly chart on gold is way more bearish. Your daily chart on gold is bullish, getting ready for a breakout. Something is going to give, right? Either the weekly chart is going to win. Uh, I'm actually going to leave this red arrow on the weekly chart. Uh, and we'll see how it goes. If anything, I'll just slide it over a little bit. Like weekly, I'm not bullish gold at all, but the daily picture turned bullish. So I'm short-term bullish, long, uh, medium-term bearish. I don't have the monthly chart, so we're not going to talk about long-term today. Okay, um, let's close that. All right, oil. Uh, well, the most boring trade... Um, of the year, pretty much. Um, I'm, I'm, I have nothing else to say. Like it's, I mean, these arrows are still intact. You know, we had a little scare, fell to the moving average, and now you know, going back up. Let's close oil. These I'm going to run through fast. Um, the euro almost got to its 50-day. That's being rejected. The euro is a complete disaster. Uh, I need to catch up on my French news. Uh, to see how Le Pen's doing in the elections. If Le Pen gets elected, um, I think it's a great thing for France. I think it's a great thing for Europe in general. 
but the markets are gonna you know have a hissy fit and the euro will collapse and break up which i think is a good thing but many 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 will disagree so we'll see how that ends um here is what is this oh that's the british pound um i forgot you know what yeah i pulled up the wrong chart um i yeah see how the british pound is holding up but the euro is starting to fall and that is why my gbp versus the euro chart um i didn't even realize i opened this chart actually um yeah so i think this will still hit its moving average so i remain uh bullish the pound and bearish the euro um relatively speaking and let's get this let this load and then we'll get to bitcoin finally uh there it is okay so uh this trade is looking real nice um if you did do this trade i i should have done this trade i just i'm an idiot and uh like at this stage you would already set you know a break even stop so that this trade can't cost you money uh you have this moving average that bounced it before it may bounce it again i don't think it will and I think this head and shoulders will be realized and uh, the pound will gain value versus the euro. All right, Bitcoin, weekly chart, uh, nothing to see here. We're coming up on our old resistance um, in, the 70, in the 11.75 range. Uh, nothing really scary looking on the weekly. A uh, little bit of divergence in the RSI. The MACD is looking great. I know there's a crossover there, but let, uh, let's see. The, the weekly isn't really doing anything. Uh, here, here's, the, here's the really cool part, right? So this is my Brave New Coin Liquid Index, the one I published on TradingView as a trading idea. And I expected us to get stuck um, at the 11.50 area, you know, till middle of April. And we went over my line and then we went under my line. But um, I put this chart together, um, I think the first day of February, something like that. And if I fell asleep for two months and just woke up, I'm, I'm exactly where we were. Like this has nothing to do with fundamentals to do with the etf nothing to do with the scaling debate like nothing to do with any of that we're right at this um resistance line where two months ago i expected us to be today and um i was expecting us to be here till the middle of april and then break out so we'll, we'll see how that goes um I, here is the daily chart and um uh, again, here, here's what worries me. I'm going to go back here as well. The 50-day uh, moving average. And th this chart gets updated around 9 p.m. And when it gets updated, you will see the price fall back to the 50-day moving average. Um, I don't really want to zoom in on this. But then I screw up my range. Uh, this is why I titled this video this way. Uh, Bitcoin's make or break week. 
And that all has to do with technicals. It all has to do with the with the 50-day moving average. Okay. Um, I think it's really, really, really important. Uh, really important. It's our strongest level of support right now. And it's happening right now. Um, here is the hourly chart. And the hourly chart has been doing really well, staying above the 50-hour moving average. And now we're stuck below it. Uh, the 50-day moving average is, you can see the number in the upper right-hand corner, uh, 1,126. See it right there. Oh, lost it. Right there. 1,000, uh, if I drop my arrow and you, lo and you lower it, it goes away. Um, 1,126. And the current price is... 1225 so we are really really stuck right at this uh 200 day moving average sorry 50 day moving average we did break above it for a minute and now we're pulling back to it we didn't really fall we didn't really break up enough above it to have a like you can still call this not a full break to the upside and you still can't call this a rejection from the downside going up. So we are really, really stuck in no man's land. And it's possible we can stay here another week. Again, this is all technical. This has nothing to do with the scaling debate. Uh, just by looking at the charts. Now, here's the big question, right? I, I believe I have called the movements pretty damn well. Um, the last time I sent out a tweet... Uh, I mean, this tweet was perfect. Um, we stopped right there. Um, the, this was the last thing I tweeted out when the price was sitting at 1140. And uh, if I go to my Twitter, uh, but most of you follow me on Twitter, I specifically say um, it's looking like consolidation at 1140. We've busted through the 50-day moving average, and we're about to bust out to 1175. And 11.75 was my target. You know, this trade would have been complete at 11.75. Um, so we got to 11.66. So I missed my target by $9. Target. Well, I put the trade on all the way down here at 960 up to a thousand and then i raised the target to 1175 so if we never make it to 1175 and we fall back down uh there will be a few geniuses on twitter about how wrong i was and as a trader you have to realize how stupid that is um and what makes a good trader from a bad trader is at the right time. So I can't tell you when to take your profits, and I can't tell you when to cut your losses. Um, perfect risk-reward ratio was this. My initial target was 1,000. When I knew it was going to get broken, I raised it to 1,175. Um, I, I don't expect to be right all the time, 
I barely expect to be right 55% of the time. Um, I've met traders in my life that were right 30% of the time and made money. Right? Their reward was big. And when they were wrong, their losses were small. Okay? Um, I've also met traders that were right 70% of the time and lost all their money. Because when they were right, their gains were small. And when they were wrong, their losses were huge. I can't teach anybody that. Um, I have a problem with that myself. I can only teach you how to recognize patterns. With those patterns are your own responsibility. So now what happens? I still, you know, believe that side is has way more momentum. Side. Um, and I believe we're going to bust through. If we don't, um, I would get nervous if we fall back under 1,100. And even if we fall back under 1,100, there's lots of support. You have support at the round number of 1,100. You have support of the increasing channel. You do have the double bottom support of 915, but that brings us to double bottoms are meant to be broken to the downside, uh, which would bring us to the 760 support, which again would form a double bottom meant to be broken. And that would take us, this is by the way, 760 support is much stronger than the 915 support because um, 760 support was a significant high in the past, and it was already um, a, a confirmed low. Uh, if 760 can't hold it, then we're going down to you know the 600 area. But that's not a bet I'm willing to take. Um, I still believe that the bulls are in the trading wise are still in control. Your MACD down here crossed very nicely. Your RSI is moving upwards towards overbought conditions. And um, uh, we might get stuck here at the 50-day. And as I talk, it's dropping a couple of bucks. So the 50-day move on the, the average at 226 is something to worry about. Uh, but you also have support right here at 1,100. And we never really pulled back to 1,100 after we got to 1,166. Um, so if we pull back to 1100, we would meet the 200-hour moving average and potentially bounce. So um, I will throw these arrows on here just as a reference, and maybe I'll tweet this out. So I would like stick an arrow right there. Um, you know, these, this is an hourly chart. You know, might take a little bit longer. Um, And then, um, I would look for a bounce to here uh, to bring us to that 1175 area. And if you notice, that 1165 area would meet um, this downward trend line that is also fairly strong and fairly significant which would once again create 
a big level of resistance um, that if I go back to the daily of uh, the Brave New Coin Liquid Index, it would once again cause us to get stuck right at this red line, which you know circles us all the way back to, um, I expected us to get stuck at this red line uh, all the way into mid-April. And uh, we'll see how it goes from there. You know, maybe after tax day, people will um, get back to Bitcoin. Um, all right. So that's my view on Bitcoin. So I have 142 live viewers. Or I guess I'm dropping in viewers. Been breaking 200 lately, but that's okay. Uh, maybe people are getting tired of me, and that's okay too. Um, all right. So what should I talk about next? So I was going to, at this stage, um, I like to, you know, vet my uh, just talk about my thoughts i want to talk about litecoin i want to talk about bitcoin some more let's um you know what i'll, I'll go to altcoins after let's talk about bitcoin so here's what i have to talk about right so everyone is giving vinnie linkham a bunch of shit, which is unfortunate um I, i'm not i'm not happy about that i like vinnie i don't have a problem with vinnie uh, Vinny and I, you know, disagreed about a month ago on where Bitcoin is going and where Bitcoin should be going. And um, that's okay. Uh, but uh, people are giving him a really hard time because he's, he said he sold 90% of his coins. And the mistake that Vinny made was telling you people that he sold 90% of his coins. Uh, I immediately told him, oh, God, Vinny, I wish you haven't done that because it's uh, it's unfortunate the kind of shit that he's being given. Um, people are wrong. Uh, I'm not saying Vinny is wrong. Um, we could be facing a huge catastrophe in Bitcoin where it falls, and then Vinny is going to be right. Um, I still think Vinny is going to you know, hear a lot of shit from people. Uh, calling him, you know, oh, you wanted it to fall, which which he doesn't. He doesn't want it to fall. Vinny would rather lose money and buy back at sixteen hundred um, and not have a fork. Uh, everybody would. Well, maybe not everybody, but I know he would. Um, and I want to talk about the famous times I have been wrong because it's important. I've gotten I've gotten Bitcoin right too many times in a row. Probably for about a year, I've been uh, very right on the predictions of Bitcoin price. And that has greatly increased the number of my followers. And I am going to be wrong. I'm going to be wrong in a really, really big way. And I will prove it to you because I want to show you the prior times I've been very, very wrong. Uh, there was two recently and i want to explain why that why that happened so the two most recent times i've been wrong um let, let's go with um with the first one first so right here um if i take us back um so i, I was doing really well with my bearish predictions all throughout 2014 um, you can go back to the Coin Telegraph article. I called this triangle weeks before it happened. I called that the price would pause uh, right here at 14.30. When this broke, I was bearish. When 
this channel, like the channel we have now, then materialized. I called for a $150 fall in the price of Bitcoin, and that materialized down to $230. Um, here's where I was wrong. Um, uh, this was unfortunate. This is the bear whale incident. When the price fell down to 160, um, my view was in a little bit of trouble. And the reason is, is because leading into this whole downtrend, I already had my prediction that the price would bottom in, in the middle of June 2015. Uh, it happened to coincide with the Greek crisis. This was my date for the bottom. This is why this channel extends into June 16th. And um, I go back to that Cointelegraph article where I, I say that uh, the middle of June is your like very important target for time analysis. When the price fell to 150, uh, see 150 was my target. It was 160, but on some exchanges, it fell to 150. 150 was my original low target, but it but it came six months too early. When the 150 came six months too early, I had to lower my target. And what gave me confidence to lower my target was when we broke under, when we couldn't keep going up in this very steep uh, incline. Like I thought this might have been the reversal and it came six months early, but when this reversal didn't hold and we kind of started to get stuck right here, I had to lower my target all the way down. I didn't want to lower it to double digits. That would have been crazy. Um, so I lowered my target to the most reasonable triple digit target I, I thought was reasonable, which was $110. Um, I really like it was really unfortunate that this thing fell so early uh, to 150 uh, because I really wanted this to be 150. Like this channel wasn't supposed to be this deep. This channel was supposed to be like up here, um, stopping us right around here at 150. Anyway, I'm, I'm rambling now. Um, and I expected this target to happen in the middle of June, but we didn't fall. We just got stuck. And then when my when the event happened and the price started to reverse, um, I I wasn't um, I I did call the reversal and people famously said that tone is an idiot. Uh, tone called for a one ten low and it never got to one ten. But people have to remember that I was calling for this low from like the six seven hundred area, maybe not one ten, but I was calling bearish. I flipped my mind to be bullish after the Greek crisis event. And then Mike Hearn and the goddamn Bitcoin XT trying to fork Bitcoin dropped the price back to 160 and this scared me. And now I thought, well, at this point, if we start to go down, we may go lower than, I mean, this was a scary time. This was more scary than now with the hard fork days. I don't know how many people were around back then. I have multiple videos, you know, cursing out Mike Hearn. Um, and, and what happened with XT. Um, and this is why I was very wrong right here on the 110. Then when we started to reverse, I wasn't ready to commit. 
And here's the weird part. You see this um, RSI right here? Um, the, this, we went from an oversold RSI, which should have been a buy event, but I was scared to even call it a perfect buy event. Remember, this bullish channel doesn't exist yet. I, I can't draw this bullish channel yet. This bullish channel was drawn like over here somewhere, like during this triangle. So this bullish channel doesn't yet exist. This is the first point that allowed me to make this bullish triangle. Um, sorry, not triangle, this bullish uh, channel. Doesn't yet exist. I'm not, I'm not playing hindsight here. Um, so when we made this top, right, this little, little top right here at 275, and the RSI went from overbought to oversold to overbought, I called this um, a bit of a top. And you can see this arrow right here. See this green arrow? I drew this arrow right here. Um, and this is as far as I expected price to go, like 330. And then I expected it to fall. But the price went up all the way to 500. This was the triple M bullshit. Um, and I always expected it to fall back down to test this 275 area. And that's why you see these red arrows keep coming down here and here, and it never got that low. So I missed this entire bull run because it stayed too high for my taste. I always thought that this 275 would get retested because that's where we broke the RSI. And it never got retested. And this is why throughout, before this triangle formed, I was always like short-term bullish because I thought it was overbought for way too long. And then we had divergence right here where we made a higher high on the closing level and the RSI was lower and the MACD was lower. So I was calling for a fall and I was right in this fall. But this is why you have this yellow arrow going all the way down. Again, I don't backwash. It's because I always thought that we would come back and test the 275 area. And we never did. We just got stuck. And we got stuck because of the stupid Bitcoin classic. Um, and then once this triangle formed and this triangle hit this low, ever since this day right here, uh, ever since the this triangle was forming, ever since then I was all ultra bullish all throughout. But these are some of like the famous periods where I was very wrong. Uh, but I've been right ever since this triangle started to form in early 2016. And I've been right every step on the way, every, every like week of the halving, um, everything throughout, uh, this pump, this buy. Um, so I've been on a really, really good streak. But um, I did want to talk about, you know, the famous um, calls of Tone Vase that did not materialize. And now you know my reasons why. Um, uh, thank you, Rich, for helping me out. I see you're collecting questions. That's great because the chat has now gotten too far. And I no longer even have the beginning of the chat. So um, if you have those early questions, I can't even see them anymore in the chat window. All right. So that's what I wanted to say. And since I mentioned the, the scaling nonsense, um, here is a tweet that I put out. I, I really like making these charts. I, I, I enjoy this work. Um, not, not as much as I enjoy you know, the interview that I did earlier today um, on, on the record podcast. But uh, let me zoom in on here. Uh, so this is like the history of Bitcoin. Um, some of the famous events. 
Uh, Amir Taki tells WikiLeaks to accept Bitcoin. Satoshi calls him an idiot. Um, no, not exactly, but <laughs> it's kind of probably what he was thinking. Um, Senator Chuck Schumer helps uh, uh, people understand uh, how to use Silk Road. Um, right after the, the peak, uh, WikiLeaks starts accepting donations. I always thought it was before the peak. I was fact-checked by uh, uh, Junsef, um, the, the famous troll. Uh, he was right by a week. I was wrong. Uh, there you go, Junsef. I, I was going to write up a whole... Um, uh, I, I was going to actually write up a whole article just on this period in time, but um, hopefully I'll have time for that one of these days. But anyway, let's get to um, let's get to what hard forks have done for us lately. Um, let me let me hit the zoom button. Okay, so the first hard fork was presented to us by Mike Hearn, and Mike Hearn says um, he famously rage quits um, Bitcoin Core, or he got kicked out. You know, debatable, and and tells the world about Bitcoin XT and tells people that the Bitcoin is like dying. And we had this momentum right after the Greek crisis. And then right here, um, right there, uh, Mike Hearn's article comes out, um, calling out Bitcoin and calling for a fork and the price immediately crashes. And the price bottoms, um, right here, if you follow the blue arrow, the price bottoms the moment the nodes start to crash. So once Bitcoin XT nodes start to crash, uh, the price bottoms, and then we start to go up. We have all of this momentum, and then boom, here we go. Right there, um, Bitcoin Classic is announced. Um, this time, Mike Hearn is joined by Gavin Andreessen and Roger Veer and uh, Jeff Garzik and uh, Brian Armstrong, and uh, you know all of them come out. Uh, Bitstamp, uh, they're all calling for the hard fork. And uh, boom, what happens to the price? Uh, price immediately crashes, okay? And, uh, and then we get stuck. Now, look, we got stuck for a while. This was when I expected the price to keep going down and then um, go back up. Right again, if I go back to this is this part right here creating this bullish triangle. I expected the price to fall for technical reasons, but for fundamental reasons, um, the price is stuck because the nodes didn't crash as fast. Right? So here are the nodes slowly dying. Oops. Uh, here are the nodes slowly dying and then the nodes crash because they were bullshit fake nodes anyway. And once the nodes crash, boom, price starts to go up. Go away altogether, the price keeps going up. Now, apparently Bitcoin Unlimited was already in the works for quite some time, but you know, no one really cared about it. People started to care about Bitcoin um, Unlimited right there. That should probably be a circle, right there. That's when the price of Bitcoin crashed because um, Antpool, the biggest miner, signals for SegWit right there on March 7th. Um, if I go back to the daily chart, let's see March 7th. Let's see here. March 12th. 
March 9th. Right, so right before this big fall. You know what, maybe I should go to an hourly chart. Where's my hourly chart? Let's go to March 7th. The first article about... Um, The first article about Antpool comes out on March 7th. So here's March 8th, here's March 7th, right there. Boom. There's March 7th. March 6th, March 7th. Beautiful, right there, right? So literally right here, uh, we were doing great. And boom, it crashes. So the price was 1275. And it takes like a day for the news to like linger and then the ETF comes, that doesn't help. Uh, we get this ETF spike because people were still thinking about the ETF. No one was thinking about Antpool. Um, but after the ETF, uh, people come down and then they probably realize right here about March 15th um, that Bitcoin Unlimited is gaining momentum. And boom, there goes your Bitcoin price, okay? Now the Bitcoin price bottoms just as the bug in Bitcoin Unlimited exposes uh, the crash in the Bitcoin Unlimited nodes. And, uh, but Bitcoin Unlimited nodes are still, you know, creating a problem, which is probably why a Bitcoin is still, you know, kind of stuck right there. So it's a direct correlation. So I'm not sure, um, I mean, if I was Roger um, sitting on 300,000 Bitcoin, I would think I would rather see the price of each of those Bitcoin reach, you know, 2,600 or something um, than uh, push for bigger blocks crashing the price um, unless, unless Roger doesn't have 300,000 Bitcoin and maybe he's sitting on 10,000 Bitcoin or 20,000 Bitcoin. That's all he has left. I don't know. I don't know how many Bitcoin Roger has. I have no clue. Um, but if I had a lot of Bitcoin, I would want the price of those Bitcoin to go up. Uh, and SegWit solves the, uh, you know, the, the fee problem much better than a bigger block. And speaking of bigger blocks, by the way, I've been downloading my full node for a week and, I still, and my computer still telling me I have two days to go. And that's with one megabyte blocks. Imagine if we had eight megabyte blocks, 20 megabyte blocks. It'll take me eight years to download the freaking blockchain. I'm not joking. I can turn on my camera, bring out the laptop. I have like seven weeks of data to download and it's telling me it'll take another day. And that's what one megabyte blocks. Imagine if there were two megabytes. This is insane. That's kind of my, um, wow, I've already been speaking for an hour. I want to get to your questions. Let's talk about Litecoin. Um, oh, Charlie, I killing me. So, Charlie tweets the file. I have to like tweet this out. Just to be clear, in no way have I endorsed Litecoin as a good investment. <laughs> I also don't own any Litecoin. Please see the article for actual quote. Um, and uh, I agreed with the reply. Uh, yeah, no, no, no one should care what I think. Um, so Charlie Lee tweets out. Tone Vase admits Litecoin is not a scam. And I'm like, what? So now I got to click on the article and go, what the hell did Tone Vase say? So let's take a look at what Tone Vase says. 
Let's see what Tone thinks. Litecoin should be able to reach the 75% activation barrier for SegWit, and it will be great for testing Lightning on the blockchain. This event should also help Bitcoiners realize that SegWit is not just the best solution for scaling, it's also the only safe solution for scaling. I also said, as for the Litecoin price, the major gains have already been made, and any pump that results after around $10 will just crash back to the current levels because it's going to be in a bubble. Uh, once Bitcoin also adopts SegWit, the price of Litecoin would probably go back all the way below 5 bucks. Um, and having said that, um, I'm kind of happy Litecoin exists because it can help prove that SegWit is, you know, great code to bring us lightning and uh, scale Bitcoin. In my video, Crypto Scam Litecoin, um, I never, uh, I kind of defended Litecoin. I like Litecoin as a testnet. I know Charlie doesn't think it's a testnet, but I do. And um, I, I don't really have a problem with Litecoin because I think it's a fair coin. I think it's, uh, I think it was created fairly. Um, I don't think there's much value in it. And in that video, when me and Jensef were like arguing over it, I gave Litecoin a 3% chance of survival. So that means um, I give Litecoin a 97% chance that eventually its price will be near zero. I have a 97% chance that in the long term, the value of Litecoin will come close to zero. There is a, I give it a 3% chance that it'll be, you know, somewhat useful and, you know, the value will be a couple of bucks a Litecoin. That's it. Um, though I think it's a, it's nowhere near the kind of, uh, it's not like Dash. I mean, I always said Litecoin and Monero were like the two somewhat legitimate projects in the space that are creating some science. Well, I'm not sure if Litecoin is actually creating any science. Uh, Litecoin is kind of taking the science that Bitcoin is creating uh, and they're able to adopt it first. Uh, Monero is trying to create some science. So here is Litecoin. Here is the moment uh, Charlie tweeted that out. And uh, this is the Poloniex chart. And the price of Litecoin was uh, seven, uh, 8.75. And you, I can also say that this had nothing to do with me. Um, it was just the moving average holding it up. But um, since the moment Charlie sent that tweet out uh, mentioning me, um, Litecoin was an immediate buy. And um, you would be up uh, God knows how much. Um, if you did buy Litecoin at this price um, and you've made a shitload of money because now it's over $12 and that tweet influenced you, um, uh, you, you know what to do. There, there, there is a QR, there's a Bitcoin QR code under, under this video, okay? So um, I don't think I'm all that important. Uh, I really don't. I don't want to be important, which is why I just spend God knows how much time talking about all of the times I've been wrong. And I did not profit from Litecoin. It's very possible I have some Litecoin from my stupid altcoin uh, days of early 2014. And uh, there might be, you know, I have to look into my uh, wallet backups. It's possible I have, you know, 5, 10, 20 Litecoin sitting somewhere in an old wallet that I, I may remember the password of. And uh, But even if I find that Litecoin, I'm pretty sure I bought it. Um, at like $20 and above per Litecoin and versus Bitcoin, it's probably way worse uh, than it is now. Uh, so, or even if it reaches 20, but um, 
that's the potential influence um, me and Charlie Lee had off of that tweet that got um, a fair amount of uh, likes and retweets. Um, anyway, um, now on, on the Dash side of things, um, I didn't have time to mark it, right? But, but here's Dash, uh, which is clearly in a bubble. Uh, just also want to point out that um, on this day, I want these things on record. On February 24th, so on this day, um, Coinbase informed the world Roger Veer owns Litecoin. Oh, sorry, owns Dash. Bad. Sorry, Roger. Fast check myself just now. Okay. And uh, this is not going to be red. This is going to be green. Um, what I should have done was buy a bunch of Dash and then tweet out to the world that Roger Veer owns Dash. Now, two days later, right there, um, own vase and Roger debate Segwit versus BU. I'm typing this in here. Um, with a dash logo in the background, which was unfortunate, but I described why that was happening. And then the day after that, right here, uh, JD of Blockstream debates Roger with, again, I love Dash logo in the background. Okay, so did, um, did I have influence on the Litecoin pump? I don't know, that's not for me to decide. Um, that's just me pointing out uh, when Charlie sent that tweet out. And the price of Litecoin is up 50% since then. It may have nothing to do with it. It's probably just SegWit. But, you know, uh, facts are facts. And right here um, is when Dash um, was, uh, you know, and many people commented on all that, right? So did the Roger Veer situation and SegWit um, influence the Dash pump? Well, no idea, right? But... Um, uh, Dash is in a bubble. It did bounce, uh, but for any uh, but for any of my views on a specific altcoin, this is why Tone Vase now has a uh, consulting service where, for 0.1 Bitcoin per hour, uh, we can Skype and we can talk about anything you like. Okay. Um, all right. On that note, um, what is this? This is this is my Dash uh, 10 minute chart. Uh, and you can see that um, the 200 um, hour moving average, so not 10 minutes, hourly, the 200 hour moving average is creating some resistance right there. Okay, so I'm going to close Dash at this point. I'll, I'll save this, I guess, and um, Litecoin. 
Still going up. I mean, no reversal candles. So, so. again, we don't do altcoins on the show, but just pointing out. Um, this is why I guess I have to be way more careful about what I say about anything. Um, I I don't want to be the oracle people. I really don't. I'm uh, just a chart reader. And uh, and and that's a service that I also teach people. Hey, Bitcoin's back up to eleven thirty. Beautiful. Um, so we'll see how this works out, right? I don't really want to see it pull back, and if it does, I would love to see a quick bounce. Um, all right. On that note, I think I'm finally done. Uh, and uh, thank you, Rich, for uh, shooting over the questions over Skype. I know I'm getting to these questions late, and I will try to not to spend too much time on them. All right, here we go with your uh, questions. Am I worried about the Bitcoin fork? No, I'm not. Not, not, not. I'm not. I'm not too worried about it. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, next question. Um, have you seen latest Twitter news? It looks like Bitmain is using a flaw in Bitcoin's proof of work to gain mining advantage and blocking SegWit because it fixes the advantage. Um, I haven't read that. Uh, Jimmy Sun has been writing pretty good articles. Um, I don't know what that is. Um, I, I don't know what that means. Um, I think that uh, Bitmain is just stalling because they're enjoying the fees, but eventually, you know, they're going to want the price of Bitcoin to go up. And the only way the price of Bitcoin to goes up is if there's confidence that there's not going to be two Bitcoin. So the moment, um, the moment there's confidence in the ecosystem that there will not be a hard fork, the price of Bitcoin will shoot up, and um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume that what I wrote two months ago, even before the whole Segwit drama happened, before Bitcoin Unlimited, like in the beginning of the year, um, my view is Bitcoin should bust out about two weeks from now, um, and hopefully that would. Um, uh, that the drama will end and people will realize there's not going to be two Bitcoin. But I am creating my full node. And once I'm done, I'll make a video on it. I'm just, you know, waiting for the damn blockchain to download. And they want to make bigger blocks. How will Japan accepting Bitcoin as a legal payment affect Bitcoin action? And when will we feel it? Well, honestly, I, I think it's, it's not going to be much. Um, if anything, Japan will help lower the price of Bitcoin um with what it's done and i will go back to i'm gonna go to publications and i'm gonna find an article about paypal it was a or lincoln um PayPal, there it is. There's an article. So this is from September 2014. Um, you know, sometimes I wish I wrote more articles because then I have something to point to. Um, so in this article from 2014, I made an argument. Uh, the price of Bitcoin was like 700 bucks or something. It was something high. Uh, I made an argument that if PayPal adopts Bitcoin, uh, the price of Bitcoin would fall to like $50. It would fall like 95%. Um, because 
none of these hundred thousand businesses or whatever number of businesses is accepting Bitcoin in Japan, none of them care about Bitcoin. None of them are going to hold the Bitcoin. There, if anyone walks into any of these stores, and nobody will, uh, no one's going to spend Bitcoin. That's just stupid. Um, if anyone's going to walk into these stores spending Bitcoin, all of these stores will immediately sell the Bitcoin uh, on the open market as a market order uh, through a payment processor. If that doesn't help Bitcoin. What helps Bitcoin is savers. What helps Bitcoin is people that will pay their employees in Bitcoin who may be savers. Um, what helps is uh, businesses that will move Bitcoin through the supply chain. Okay, I have a physical business in New Jersey. Um, it opened in early 2013. Um, and um, or sorry, it opened in early 2014. No one has ever paid in Bitcoin, not once. Not a single customer has ever came and paid in Bitcoin. Uh, and and if someone does, they'll nobody at the business will know what to do. I'm not going to be educating employees on how to accept Bitcoin because employees come and go and no one comes in to pay in Bitcoin. That's not what it's for. At least that's how I see it. I know Roger disagrees. So um, if anyone does start going into all these shops paying in Bitcoin, all that will do is lower the price of Bitcoin because all these shops will just immediately um, sell them. That, that's not ideal. You, you want it to be a store of value first, currency second. Anyway, so that's kind of my view on things. Don't you trade crypto when you spend most of your time looking at it and you have the volatility and liquidity and large cap coins? Well, I don't trade crypto because um, I, I just I, I can't babysit them. Like it's uh, I do a lot of videos. I do some consulting now. I, uh, I, I watch the stock market. I trade the stock market. Uh, so I, I, I can't. And also... I don't have the patience to like be in all of these, you know, uh, troll boxes where people pump and dump these things. Like I, I don't. It's uh, uh, it's uh, let other people do it. I trade what I know. I trade what's risk free, not risk free, but I minimize my risk as much as possible. Um, how about investing in Litecoin, not scam, and will increase more in price? Or has topped. I have no idea. Oh, I already closed my chart of Litecoin, but we talked about it. Um, how high can the price of Litecoin go? It can go to $100. That's what I said about Dash. That's what I said about Ethereum, right? Aurora coin went to $100. Zcash is, doesn't count because there wasn't enough Zcash when it was like $1,800,000 a coin. Um, there was like one twenty-four thousandth of a Zcash, which is like, again, stupid. But um, where was I going with this? I have no idea how high Litecoin can go, but all I know is Litecoin is now in a bubble. Um, how high can it go? No one knows. But I can tell you that Litecoin will fall back down to where the pump began. Uh, the pump began at about $3 um, unless Litecoin can go above 50 Now, if Litecoin goes above 50 bucks, all the way to like 100 um, it will probably only fall back down to 50 uh, in the beginning because it already had support at 50 from 2014 or 13, whenever it was, right? Um, but 
uh, Litecoin is just, you know, it's just using Bitcoin code. Once Bitcoin gets its shit together, there'll be uh, Litecoin will just, you know, try to be the test net for the next project in Bitcoin. That, that, there, there's no value there other than speculative trading and helping Bitcoin reach its goal. And, uh, and if Bitcoin can't reach its goal, um, there is a small possibility that Litecoin would be used for microtransactions, but I doubt it. People will just, you know, get around the, the one megabyte block uh, issue with other um, scaling, uh, other offline, off-chain scaling, and people will um, find a way to get around transaction malleability without fixing it. And, and give us micropayments in Bitcoin. They'll be way more centralized. They'll be way less private, uh, but they'll still be there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I don't see much value in Litecoin other than I'm kind of happy it's around. I'm, I'm not planning to put any money into it, if that's the other question. Um, without current price speculation on split, meaning hard fork for Bitcoin, I'm assuming, um, as well as back and forth to altcoins for instant profit, where would current fundamentals be? Well, fundamentals would be strong. People would be supporting Bitcoin. They wouldn't be trying to get rich quick. Uh, I think Bitcoin deserves to be um, at the top of my channel. Um, I think Bitcoin belonged. I mean, this rise was a little too fast. Uh, this rise could have gotten higher. I think Bitcoin belongs at the top of the channel. And um, I, I, I think Bitcoin should be hugging the top of the channel at some point. Um, so, yes, I do believe Bitcoin, Bitcoin's current uh, value is around 1700, 1700, 1800. I think that's what Bitcoin's worth today. And um, I can prove it to you by opening up my uh, recent. Um, Bitcoin maximalist price of Bitcoin, which is you take all of the altcoins market cap combined, was as of the first of the month, you divide it by the number of Bitcoin outstanding, and you get 1,600 bucks, probably higher now. Bitcoin was $100 less than, not 150 bucks less than, and uh, altcoins were probably higher now. So um, my the value of Bitcoin to me is around 1650 right now and it's ironically happens to be the top of the channel right now right around you know 1650 1700 so that's my valuation of bitcoin uh tone did you see tweets earlier today about patenting proof of work asic chips basically attacking segwit now, I, I, I don't know anything. I haven't seen that. Um, I mean, you can patent your ASIC chip. Uh, that would, um, I, I think that's a problem. Uh, I, I, I think that's a problem. I think that goes against the spirit of Bitcoin if you patent the ASIC chip. And um, these miners have to realize that they're playing with fire. If they really, you know, if they force uh, too much, the users can, uh, you know, set their nodes to something ASIC proof. And if they really fight too much, the Bitcoin core will release proof of work changes, 
wasting all of their R&D money on, uh, on development of those chips. And uh, users and Bitcoin Core can join together and tell the miners to go screw themselves. Um, and um, I would, I, if, if it came down to that, I may support that. Uh, it depends. Depends how it gets there. Right? So they really got to be careful here. Um, I also saw that thing about extension blocks. Oh, man, I don't have it open. I, I read the GitHub on extension blocks. Um, I didn't have time to, you know, listen to my overlords. Uh, and uh, I haven't had time to be obedient to my authority of uh, developer experts to have their comments weighed in. Uh, to me, in my non-professional, non-developer opinion, uh, extension blocks seem uh, very, very stupid uh, because it's an it's an unnecessary layer uh, that only creates complexity and um, I and without uh, support because you have Bitcoin Core are going to support on-chain stuff and the they're going to support the layer on top of the extension blocks. So who the fuck is going to support the extension block layer? Is it going to be the Bitcoin Unlimited crew? Are they going to support the layer in between the Lightning Network and on-chain? No one is going to trust the system. It's It will be a complete mess. Um, it, it, it will be ridiculous. It's just like, it's theoretically dumb. And me as a project manager uh, back in writing financial code, which I didn't write, but I would never go for this layer. It's like, okay, we have our uh, business. We're writing risk analysis software, what we did. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have our developers and quants develop uh, the risk analysis software. Then we're going to have this other team from another company that we don't even like, nor want to speak to. They're going to build on top of our layer something that makes them happy. And then we are going to put our developers to work to build on top of their layer of the people we feel are incompetent and uh, don't know what they're doing. Um, this, is, uh, this just sounds so ridiculous to me. Um, anyone pitching this, um, like I, I have to seriously question their judgment um, in any kind of a scalable project. Uh, it's just, it, I, I, I couldn't even finish reading that GitHub. And, uh, and that GitHub, you know, talked more about problems with this layer than solutions that it creates. It's, it's, it's uh, I hate using this word, but it's completely retarded. And that is my non-professional opinion. I would love to read um, a professional opinion from uh, people at Bitcoin Core, and I have not seen their professional opinion. Uh, I probably should, but uh, I don't always get to everything. All right, next. Um, should I trade my Bitcoin into Litecoin? I'm not answering that. Um, are investors switching from Bitcoin to Litecoin? I'm not answering that. I have no, absolutely no clue. Um, it's all speculation. Uh, people are going to where they can make money. Um, if anyone is telling you Litecoin is the future, uh, they're, they're probably just pumping their position. Uh, next. When are you splitting your crypto versus legacy market analysis? Uh, when I buy a new computer. So please email Microsoft and tell them to release uh, the Surface Pro 5. The moment I have uh, more power in my machine, 
um, I will look to uh, separate the two um, because I'm going to stream them at, at, at different places. When do you think Bitcoin will enter a bear trend and reconsolidate like in 2014? Honestly, I think after we break 2000, I, I don't think we're going to hit a bear market here. I think we need like a pump. I, I don't think we've seen a pump. Um, I closed my weekly chart. Um, I should open that. Let me open the Bitcoin weekly. Man, this episode might last a while. I have so many questions. Um, only because like my part went on for an hour instead of 30 minutes like usual. Uh, no, that's not where I was going for. Uh, Bitstamp. Now, all these charts are across multiple exchanges because some of these charts are put together. Like I started them in like 2013 and... Uh, you know, Bitfinex was barely even around, so it was Bitstamp. Um, I'm not expecting Bitcoin to enter a bear market until another um, exponential rise in the price. Uh, it's possible we can enter a bear market before that, but I'm honestly, uh, like you see these two pumps, we never really entered a big bear market after this pump, uh, but we did enter after this pump. And this has been very, you know, slow and steady. Uh, it's possible we can enter a bear market if we fall back uh, below 915, but I don't believe we're going to fall below 915. Um, I think if we get a pump, like a real pump, uh, like a pump to like 2,000, 3,000, uh, I mean, this trend line is at like 9,000 by that point or something, right? Uh, if we get a real pump, if we get another bubble, there might be a multi-year correction taking us back down to like 1,000, 1,500 area. Uh, then we can get into a bear market and it depends how fast it falls. But I just don't see a bear market coming right now. I think there is so much good momentum if only this stupid hard fork nonsense went away. And th there'll be a giant pump when, uh, when SegWit finally wins. Thoughts on the ASIC boost exploit by Bitmain? I, I don't know what that's about. I know absolutely nothing. I'm seeing the words ASIC boost for the first time. I think I already said that I know nothing about it. Um, uh, what would market reaction be if Lightning was adopted without SegWit? Lightning can't really be adopted without SegWit, and that's the problem, because Lightning needs a transaction malleability fix, which is fixed by SegWit. Now, you can just create a transaction malleability fix, but then the big blockers win. So that's not going to happen. SegWit, ha people have worked too hard on SegWit. It spent a year in testing. And if you want to wait another year to fix transaction malleability, no one wants to do that. We're going to get SegWit in. It's going to fix transaction malleability, and then you'll have Lightning. Or it's going to force all of these companies to spend all of this developer time, maybe Ryan X Charles can help them and uh, do uh, you know microtransactions without the transaction malleability fix. It's not going to be lightning. Um, so there you go. I mean, too too much good code. Too many good coders spend too much time building this shit. They're not just going to scrap it. It'll just sit there until the miners get their shit together, or the users uh, create all of these nodes and force it onto the miners. 
Thoughts on BitSquare? I don't have thoughts on BitSquare. Um, I know it's supposed to be a decentralized exchange, but I'm not a trader. Um, uh, there is a link to something from Greg Maxwell. Um, I'll no, nah, should have clicked on the link. I'm about to open like Firefox. Um, uh, let me see. Maybe I can like pull it up. I, I don't know what this is. And I, I don't keep up with day-to-day -day news on Bitcoin, only what like people directly tell me. Um, oh yeah, the ASIC boost thing. All right, I'll, I'll read it. Um, I don't really, there's uh, my Mozilla. Um, I'll, I'll read it over. I, I have no comment. I haven't read it yet. What's the best charting software? I mean, I use TradingView. I really like TradingView. I have my issues with TradingView, but it's the best I've seen on the market uh, just for charting and saving your charts. I think it's awesome. And um, But I don't trade through TradingView. I just go to my broker and I trade. Uh, but this is where I do my charting. But I don't trade on five-minute increments, right? Like I find my points and I trade. Um, when will Jensev get back with Chris DeRose? Um, I agree. It's not the same. I, I would love for them to get married again. Um, um, I don't know. I haven't really... I've been talking to Chris lately. I haven't really talked to Joseph lately. I, I don't even know what the hell... I don't even know how bad their problem is. I I, I, I don't know. I should go down to Florida. And, I don't know. Uh, they're, they're big boys. They'll figure it out. Um, people say Malinchain won the last French... Malinchan. I'm like, I'm in the Bitcoin land. I, I don't know ma much about Malinchan. Um, does this change your view of the French election? Well, your comment can't change my view of the French election because I need to like, you know, read, uh, read the few economists that I actually pay attention to. And I haven't had time for that. So I have no comment on it. Um, uh, we'll see. We'll see who wins the French election. I'll, I'll have more to say once I know more. What do I think of rootstock? Um, that, uh, maybe I'll have Diego on, on the record podcast. I am, uh, I'm very skeptical of smart contracts. Let's put it that way. At least they're not on Ethereum. At least Rootstock is not building their own currency. So that keeps them out of the scam, uh, zone, but whether their project is actually used, going to be useful or successful, um, I question it. I also don't understand enough about merge binding to comment, but from the little I understand, it doesn't seem very uh, useful to me or sustainable. Um, what's the most hassle-free and best um, fire and forget method for investing for the future uh, retirement money? Probably the US stock market um, is your best investment. Um, you know, I like Bitcoin personally, but my second choice is um, U.S. stock market. You can protect. You can buy U.S. stock market and buy protective puts. If you're scared, there'll be another 2008. Just buy insurance on your stock market. That's what put contracts are. Um, go Google and read about uh, protective puts. Wow, my number of live viewers is going up. It's up to 172 now. Um, next. Do you think full anonymous Bitcoin transactions should be done on level one protocol? I personally don't. 
I'm a huge believer in privacy, but I do not believe that you need Monero style privacy layer. I think it removes a lot of good things that can be done um, on top of level one layer if the layer one is not anonymous. Like if layer one is not anonymous, um, you can always build an anonymous layer on top of it. But if level one is anonymous, it becomes a lot trickier to build uh, a non-anonymous layer on top. And there are hundreds of useful cases where anonymity should not exist. And my best use case where anonymity should not exist is government money. Um, I believe that tax revenue and tax spending by a government should not be anonymous. I think that should be on a KYC layer on top of a non-anonymous layer so that it's very, very difficult for, for those or charities, right? Another one, right? I don't trust any charity, right? And um, if you have a charity on top of the blockchain and it's on, on top of an anonymous layer, I'm not going to trust it. But if you have, you know, charity with all, you know, revenues of the charity running through a non-anonymous blockchain um, with an additional non-anonymous uh, protocol on top of it, and it's open sourced and people can see that it's not anonymous, then I'm, I may trust a charity for a change, right? So I don't believe that anonymity on layer one is, uh, is a good thing. Uh, I believe anonymity is important, but not on layer one. Good question. Thank you for that. Um, oh, yeah, that debate uh, of whether layer one should be anonymous or not is going to be very heated. I mean, maybe me, uh, uh, you know what? If when I get to crypto scam Monero, uh, whoever I'm doing that with, maybe I'll just, you know, maybe I'll just debate Fluffy Pony. I'll, uh, you know, I'll call Ricardo Spengi Fluffy Pony an idiot for putting uh, layer one uh, and uh, for putting anonymity on layer one because it's dumb. Um, so that might be an interesting debate. I'll, I'll argue with him. People are going to call me a statist. People are going to call me, you know, whatever. But um, that's my view. Um, you can always build anonymity on top of a, of, of a non. Um, that's what Lightning Network will do, by the way. You can uh, you you would be able to have more privacy with Lightning Network if the if they choose if if the Lightning Network um, uh, if the Lightning Network channel or the Lightning channel. Um, can build more privacy into it on top of a not perfectly private uh, layer one. Please make my cursor bigger. Yeah, I know it's a little difficult to do. I got to figure out how to do that. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, who are the big players, miners, who are against SegWit and what will convince them to start signaling for SegWit? Well, that's a good question. As far as I know, as far as I know, um, the biggest miner against SegWit is Antpool uh, with Jihan Wu. And uh, I think we've beat that horse to death. I think it's all because he's stalling to get fees. Uh, people are suspecting other things. People are suspecting Chinese government's involved. Uh, people are suspecting he just wants control, whatever. 
but um, I think it's possible that Antpool will change their mind or people will just leave Antpool. Now, via BTC and BTC.com, BTC.com is Roger Veer's mining pool. That one isn't changing their mind. I mean, Roger Veer is committed to big blocks. Uh, he wants everyone from uh, Bitcoin Core uh, gone from the project. Um, so uh, Bitcoin.com is against SegWit for political reasons. You know, uh, you're not changing their mind. Uh, ViaBTC is a new one, which many people suspect is being financed by Roger. Um, so their, their incentive is the same as uh, Bitcoin.com. They're also uh, believers and they're not going to change their mind. Now, Antpool's mind can be changed because, you know, economics uh, trumps um, racism and ideologies, right? Like uh, uh, even people that hate black people, white people that hate black people will still, you know, date and have sex with a beautiful black girl, right? Um, same thing for money, right? Like even people that, uh, white people that happen to hate black people, um, they will hire a black person if that person makes them a lot of money, right? Um, this was the big debate over the basketball team. Uh, what's his name? The Clippers owner, you know, that everyone calls him a racist, yet, you know, um, everyone, almost everyone on his team is, you know, black playing for him, right? So economics does get in the way of your ideology. Um, but when your ideology is irrelevant to the economics, or your ideology is because of someone is paying you, like people that are being paid by Roger Veer to work at like, you know, Bitcoin.com uh, are probably supporting, not probably, but um, perhaps potentially are supporting Roger's position because if they don't support Roger's position, they will be fired, right? And they like a paycheck. So um, their economics are supported by their ideology. So via BTC pool and Bitcoin.com pool, their ideologies are aligned. Well, one of them is definitely aligned with um, Roger Veer's economics. And the other one is potentially aligned with Roger Veer's economics, but I don't know the details, right? It's, it's speculation. I'm a trader. I speculate. It's my job. So I, I speculate on the future price and I have to speculate on these events. Um, I believe Antpool is in a different position. I believe that their their ideology is more is not is a little different. Um, I think it's more like I don't know maybe it's pride, maybe it's whatever. And I think economics uh, and reality can get them to change their mind or force them to change their mind. Okay, so if, if that kind of if that made sense. Um, all right, next. Oh, I have tweeted you two logarithmic growth charts for different periods of Bitcoin. Your thoughts, please. Uh, all indications of financial growth. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll reply. I don't know who asked that question. I'm a little tired to go to my Twitter right now and look at that. Maybe I'll PM you after. Maybe we'll see your reply. If I don't, I apologize. Um, is this user-activated soft fork code for running a SegWit node? Um, 
I, I haven't had time to look at the details of the user activated soft fork. I've been too busy creating my SegWit node so I can participate in a user activated soft fork, but I have no idea you know, how it would work yet. I have not read the details. Um, RSK, which is rootstock, also helps Bitcoin scale up to 100 transactions per second. Um, I do not know about rootstock to confirm or um, you know, debate that statement. So uh, I, I, I don't know. All right, Rich, um, I, this video is now going on for an hour 40. Um, if I don't see another question uh, posted, I apologize to the people at the end of the chat. Uh, maybe throw me uh, one more question that you think is best. Uh, thank you again, Richie Rich, for helping out. Thank you to the 175 live viewers. Uh, please forward, please share. Uh, you know, please donate if you like the content. And if you are interested in either uh, talking about uh, some of this stuff privately or learning a little bit about charting and uh, technical analysis, or if you're interested about geology, that was my initial field of study. And uh, that was supposed to be my original profession. Uh, the, like I said, the Tone Consulting Service is currently open for business. Uh, shoot me an email at tone at protonmail.ch. We can pick a time. I do these over Skype. And um, we'll find a convenient time for both of us uh, at 0.1 bitcoins per hour. I'm expecting, um, as the number of my regular clients grows, I'm expecting the value of Bitcoin to go up, which would increase the value of my service per hour, which would then reduce the number of clients because, again, there's only so much hours in a day. Um, so I, I'm interested to see how far this model goes. It'll be very interesting if the price of Bitcoin drops by 50%, and now my service becomes very cheap. Uh, that would be interesting. I will try to keep my service at 0.1 bitcoins per hour, uh, as long as it be, as long as it's viable. Uh, okay, I guess there's no more questions. Uh, again, thank you for watching. Uh, once again, earlier today, I did an episode of uh, on the record with Tone Base. I haven't put the we haven't put the cover on it yet. And uh, please check that out. I really enjoyed this interview. Uh, please try to find the irony in this. And, uh, I, and uh, I understand that some people are going to yell at me for not being too hard on uh, the interviewees. Okay. Uh, I will be updating my blog. And uh, on that note, uh, thank you very much for tuning in live. And I'll see you all on the next one this weekend. And uh, the Bitcoin group on the World Crypto Network on Friday as well. All right. Bye-bye, guys.